I told you, I knew your dad for a long time. He did that shit. Guilty as fuck. And we are back, or I am back, with another episode of Power Book 2 Ghost Book Report Side Series presented by the Simple Math Matrix. It's your boy, Mr. A.K.A. Prince Godbody. And this week, I'll be talking a little bit, or a lot of bit, about uh, episode 3 of season 1 of Ghost, titled Play the Game. Uh, we opened the episode... This episode, we open the care. We open with characters Kane and Drew, kind of going around collecting uh, the drug money from all of, I guess, their kind of like street soldiers, foot soldiers, or whatever. Uh, at this point, we've already kind of summarized that the Tahad. I'm not even sure if they've given Kane and Drew and the rest of the black appearing family the last name of Tahada, but we'll use it just for the frame of reference. The Tahada sons. Uh, the whole family, rather, we can kind of see, or we know for a fact, they're really big drug dealers. They have a really efficient organization. Uh, it doesn't, it's a lot more street-oriented than Ghost, uh, his organization was back in the first Power series. Uh, the Tejadas and Monet and all them, they're kind of more the wire drug dealers than they are power drug dealers. It's all about street, street smarts. All that, it's not about the legitimacy, it's all about the streets. They are totally through and through about making their money from the streets. They're not concerned about uh, hiding that money or using it to, you know, clean them, clean themselves up. It, this is all street crime for them, so they're cool with that. Um, so we have them two riding around, just kind of to reinforce the image of, you know, they're just, that they're that powerful. Uh, they really, really not much comes from that scene except for at the end a guy is short and we kind of see the juxtaposition of the brothers drew is kind of the soft soft spoken not maybe not soft spoken but he's not outwardly physically violent or temperamental like kane is kane uh snaps and is beating the guy's ass and is essentially threatening or about to kill the guy until drew has him back down and that, that whole scene is, like I said, just to give us that juxtaposition and care, uh, of the two brothers. Get through that. Uh, Reek's back in school. Uh, Reek finally does read the book. He uh, has a back and forth with the professor about kind of what he drew from the book individually. And he has the conversation with Lauren outside of the classroom. Essentially, uh, you have to tell this man what he wants to hear, not what you think. That's kind of how these places work. Which is going to be a, in all of these power episodes, they kind of do put these like pieces of dialogue in where you kind of see, okay, they're going to ride this, this statement or this idea or belief for, you know, however long. And I feel like for this episode, uh, that was definitely the one. Tyreek really needs to learn how to, he essentially needs to learn when to play the game, who to play the game with, you know what I'm saying? He has the basics. But he needs to get his specifics down. He needs to learn that it's not about how he acts through and through. It's about how he acts in reaction to other people. And that's going to be something that carries on through the episode. Whether it's Tariq or it's Monet 
Arts, Kane, Arts Tejada. This whole episode is about kind of playing, everybody playing off of each other and playing each other and kind of figuring out what tweaks need to be made in the personal relationships. Uh, Reek, uh, you know, he's not only at school to do the work. He's there to make some money. Uh, and so him and Brayden, which is his white roommate from Choate, and it's going to end up being his roommate now again at the end of the episode, but we'll get there. Um, his white roommate, Brayden from Choate, they're essentially going to make some money, uh, which is going to be selling the Adderall prescriptions like they were doing in the first power. But, you know, he tells Brayden, hey, you want to make some money? And Brayden's all over it. Because if you remember last episode, Brayden actually kind of wanted to get back in the game uh first he kind of was egging Tariq on to like yeah let's let's get it popping again so we're going to leave there and we're going to go back to the Tahada household where they're all on Instagram live watching uh, I guess the guy's name is Lil Guap and Lil Guap is on IG kind of showing off the guns and the drugs you know just kind of basically how stupid motherfuckers do in real life be on IG just telling all their personal business Tahada family sees that, most notably Monet, and she knows just how that that's not going to work. They're, the operation they run is a lot more street smart and a lot more covert than to be on Instagram showing off the, the fruits of the labor or even just the labor itself. Uh, so what they do in response to that is Monet sends Drew to handle it. Uh, she does this because she knows that sending Kane is not because they're making a lot of money little Guab's crew and all them they're making a lot of money and that money's getting pushed back up to the Tejada family so they can't necessarily handle handle them but they do need to talk to them and that's where drew is going to come into uh kind of effect like i was saying earlier we get one of the first impressions we get of drew in this episode is just how mild-mannered and maybe calculated he is and so to send him into an environment where there's obviously a bunch of reckless foolishness going on, it's kind of a catch-22. Because Drew is sent to handle it by... Essentially, that Drew is the one that gets sent because Tahada, the, the father figure of the family, is in jail, but he has a conversation with Monet about everything that's going on. And he decides to send Drew because, like I said, everybody knows what is going to happen if Kane goes. And see, Tahada, the male father figure, he has a special connection to where he really he can't necessarily come down too hard on Lil Guap. So he has to use Drew because Lil Guap's father took a bullet for Tahada at some point in their lives. You know what I'm saying? I don't they don't they haven't expressed that yet. We're still three episodes deep. But at that point, that is what what kind of shapes this situation. Like, Guap's life is saved not only because it's Drew that gets sent, but also because his father actually uh, put in work. But Monet, as we know, is not going to just kind of feed her children to that wolf's den, more or less. So she does send Kane right behind him, kind of on some don't let Drew know you're there, but make sure he's protected sort of thing, which... Of course, Drew does eventually visit um, Lil Guap, and Lil Guap is coked up out of his mind to the point where he can't, he can't really remember anything, and you know what I'm saying, he's just talking 
super, super dumb. And it's just not, it's not working. Basically, Drew's like, hey, man, we see y'all all over the gram. We need that to stop. And it kind of becomes a thing. And eventually, Kane comes in and, and plays the bad guy. Kind of, when Kane comes in, Lil Guap realizes how serious it is. Like I said, nobody is going to take Drew serious because Drew is not very outwardly forceful. But it's when Drew, I mean not Drew, when Kane comes in that the whole environment, atmosphere change. Lil Guap becomes a lot more respectful. Him and Drew are just playing now. It's not actually a big deal anymore. Now it's just, you know, everybody's cool, everybody's cool, but... Kane being Kane is, is not going to buy that. He comes in, tells Drew we finna go. They leave. But before they leave, Kane has to put pull out his gun and shoot up the spot. Kane shoots up the spot and it's it kind of makes everything hot because immediately uh, police start rolling through. And when they're out there, they actually do get chased by the cops on foot. And they get chased to the park to, to the point where they get cornered by the cop and their only really way out well at least in Kane's eyes is to kill that cop so he pulls his gun to kill the cop but right before anything can really go down the officer that's been sleeping with Monet his mom kind of pulls up on the scene and tells the officer they went this way blah blah this that and the third pretty much you know you're on the wrong path so they save they get their asses saved that time uh, Drew realizes how stupid all of this is, and they kind of have a little spat, but, and that, I guess they're used to that type of thing, because it's not something that really drives them apart, and everything keeps going. Now, we have the situation of Tasha, which we haven't touched on yet in this pod, uh, and that's, Tasha has gotten the plan B pill to the inmate, uh, turns out that Tahada has someone working in the prison system as a maintenance man that's keeping an eye on Tasha because now things are starting to get real. Now once Tariq last episode ordered the cell phone and the pill and all that, it kind of, now they know about each other. Everybody but Tasha knows about each other. Tasha's on the outside, she just knows that she can get, or Tasha's on the inside, she just knows that she can get help on the outside. So she does achieve that, but she also gets called for a surprise court appearance which to her is totally out of the blue and to everybody because you know there is no trial date and like the marshal said when they were taking her to the courthouse or to leave the jail to go to the courthouse a surprise court date is never good it's never a good thing that's not going to wait good on you so tasha is then led i guess into what we are to we are to believe is the courtroom uh she, you know basically she's saying i can't can't do it like this. I look like crap. What's going on? They show her to a room where she gets pretty much total 100%, 180 remake, remodeled, re, you know what I'm saying, makeover to the point that she is presentable to defend herself in her trial. I guess that's about to happen. But once they get to the actual courtroom, she finds out that uh, Davis McLean has just set up a mock trial for her, kind of to test out everything that's going to happen and kind of see if she'll be able to defend herself on the stand because that's Tasha's plan. Her plan is to defend herself because she knows that she wasn't the queen pin, but she doesn't realize that when she goes to get examined, 
that it doesn't have to be the selling drugs part that is going to get her tied in this Rico. And that's what they're trying to prepare for. It's not necessarily about getting a general story straight. It's about getting all the small fallacies straight to make sure that they're covered when it is time for the actual trial to occur. Well, they have this and it goes well, but it doesn't it doesn't really they this is when we find out that tasha is tasha's good but she's not great this mock trial shows that tasha's good but she's not great because she doesn't honestly know what to do and how would she you know what i'm saying this is not this is not the position she should have ever had to been in because even in the original power series if you remember correctly the spousal immunity is kind of what was the plot device that got tasha off of having to testify because any reasonable person if unless they write this really well there's no way she can really go on the stand and testify through and through and not indict herself or convict herself or whatever it is so that's going to be something they are playing with now in the plot to actually get straight because this is Tasha's trial is essentially ghost trial from season five that it's going to drive the motives for everybody in the show for however long the show is going to last from that point on. So now we have the situation. Yes, Tyreek getting money is, is the most important part because in, in reality he's the most he's the main character. But in order for the plot to continue to drive on, it's going to be Tasha's trial and them preparing her for the trial, the actual trial, that really pushes everything along in the show. Uh, let's see. So this is not a one-day thing. They do, uh, they do have a second day of the trial. I'm sorry. I'm trying to read my notes and talk at the same time. I'm so sorry. There's a second day of the trial where they pretty much are like, all right, first day went well, but now it's really the heat. So they bring Tamika Green uh, in to be the prosecutor, to play the mock prosecutor. And the reason for that is because, as we know, she was originally Tasha's defender, but she also is privy to all of the information in this case, essentially, on both the defendant and plaintiff side because she knows that in the end this trial is really about Sachs covering his ass uh, as far as the federal angle goes so her knowledge is way more valuable than probably anybody else in the situation at this point so they bring her in at the prosecutor and she just totally tears uh, Tasha apart Tamika tears Tasha apart and really really proves Tasha, you're gonna, you're fucked. You're not gonna be able to do this by yourself. You're not gonna be able to do this without training. And I know because this isn't as hard as it's gonna get, but this is as hard as it can get in the mock trial for Tasha. So now they're really squirming. And before Tamika leaves, Davis kind of has the idea to bring her on the team. She initially declines, but. Davis McLean knows really what is going on here. He knows that there's a internal battle with like Sachs and the Department of Justice and all that shit. He knows there's an internal battle there. And that internal battle is really what is leading to the, the attempted prosecution of Tasha. So he needs to get somebody who was on the inside of that situation to come on the outside and help him. Kind of give him a bird's eye view. 
and that's where he's going to use Tamika. I would say from this episode out, it'll be a chase on getting Tamika on the team so that they can fully utilize her knowledge so that they can create an out or a plea deal or something that Tasha won't have to testify or if she does she's testifying within really strict confines because like I was saying there's no way that Tasha testifies and doesn't indict herself but that's what we get because in the end they do find even the mock jury finds uh to her guilty so there is no chance in hell so like I said, that's the setup. The setup is now getting Tamika on Tasha's side so that they can be privy to Sax's situation so that they can create an out for Tasha because there's no way that they're going to be able to convince people that she wasn't a queen pin or even a queen pin junior or something of the sorts at this point with the way that she's talking and the questions they have and the way that things are going. Uh, no, we're bouncing around, but we're going to go back to Tariq finally. Um, kind of finish. Oh, well, no, I will finish up Tariq last because Tariq does end the episode with a really big, no pun intended, power move. Um, wow, okay, all right, that was a good pun. I'm not even going to lie. I don't got nobody here to laugh at it. But it's a power move because it's not only a, a very cliche power of the TV show move, but it's a power move for Tariq himself. Uh, in the Tahada household, there is a little rift between the mom and the daughter. Diana kind of doesn't want to be in the life. She kind of sees that Zeke gets to go to school, gets to meet all these people, live this life, and get to play basketball, which Diana likes to do too. And Monet has not given her that opportunity. And she's just kind of not distraught. But you can tell, like, it, like any young person who wants to follow their dreams, but they're squashed by their parents, she is upset. Essentially, the conversation is, hey, mom, I want to go to school. I want to play basketball like Zeke. Why can't I do it? And Monet just says, if, even if you went WNBA, that's $75,000 a year, and that's not going to do shit for the family. Monet's whole goal is to keep the family together, I guess mainly because her husband is in jail, but her goal is to make sure that the family over everything, family prospers, there is no one man bigger than the group sort of ideal. But at the same time, Diana coming just straight out of high school, you know, 18, 19, whatever. She has ambitions and she has dreams that are about her and not about the family. And that's the first time we really see a legitimate problem between Monet and Diana as far as the mother-daughter relationship goes. Um... Because at one point, Monet does go and visit Tahada on a conjugal visit while he's still locked up. Of course, it's not like they just let him out. But she goes and visits him on the conjugal visit. And even there, they have the conversation about letting Diana go to school and just how to... Pretty much, he's not agreeing with how she's running things. And so they have that conversation. And when Monet gets back, she asks Diana, you know, did you tell your father that... You wanted to go to school or something to that effect. Diana says no. And this is one of the funniest parts of, I think, any TV show I've ever seen in my life. And it wasn't intended to be funny. But at that point, Monet says, go get the family burner. <laughs> this family is so heavy in the streets. Their house phone is a family burner. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, imagine, <laughs> that's just, I, I mean, I guess I, I understand it, but it's, it's just hysterical to me that they got the smart talk wireless for the whole family as a land, instead of a landline or something like that. But she checks the family burner, and 
to her disbelief, she has not contacted Tejada. So under, at this point, Monet's under the belief that it's just kind of a general idea that Diana should be going to school or what have you. This, that, and the third. But that doesn't last long because eventually, uh, later on in the show, Monet confronts Diana again, kind of shakes her down and finds <laughs> finds out that Diana has her own personal burner that she's been using to herself that is not that has not been used by the rest of the family which pisses Monet off because that's a one she was lied to two a family secret and three it's just a power thing Monet I think now even though we're three episodes deep I think after the conversation she had with her husband during the visit she's saying that the power structure is starting to crumble especially like with kind of all these holes being poked through uh, their impenetrable defense they got little guap acting stupid on Instagram and they got reek trying to make way into their family all while they're trying to still get Zeke back on the court because this entire time now that we've wrapped up uh, the Tejada family kind of tribulations Zeke's still not on the court and it has a lot to do with the fact that he's not trying any any whatsoever on his part he's totally expecting Tariq to do all the work and nothing else on his part but Tariq like Tariq explains it to him hey I if I'm failing because I'm not doing my work I'm not going to be here, so I can't do your work, so you can't be on a basketball team. Kinda, if you don't help me out, I can't help you out, and we're both fucked. It's a catch-22 type situation, and that is going to be a big pool for how Tyreek makes his power move. Is um, Tyreek, he is doing the work, but he writes this paper for the book they read this week, um, and it... He writes, I, I'm going to go back to what I was talking about in the beginning of the pod. He doesn't write his opinion. He writes exactly what he thinks the professor wants to hear. And when he gets his grade back for the report, he doesn't get any credit for it. And he goes to the professor, he confronts the professor like, hey, why didn't you give me credit, blah, blah, blah. Teacher's like, your paper was fine, but I'm too high up on the totem pole to be great in papers. You're going to have to ask Professor Reynolds, um, why you didn't receive credit for your paper because he's the one who graded them. If, you don't, if you're unfamiliar, if you're not good with names, uh, Professor William Reynolds is Jabari Reynolds. He's the black guy, the black professor. And him and Tariq pretty much have the conversation of, you, this system is not built for us, so you have to do it the way you want to do it, but still kind of a, I'm not going to give you credit. You're not working hard enough. I work too hard. Kind of, it's one of those kind of positions that, the black, the older black man is trying to teach the young brother, like, you got to work harder than that type thing, which I guess works. But at the same time, he's not factoring in like Tariq's situation. And there's just a whole nother subplot with Reynolds and the female uh, guidance counselor that it just kind of is kind of budged in or kind of forced into these episodes. It feels like like having him grade the papers was only it was kind of only to have him get on camera essentially to keep the character in the episode and kind of develop him as a person. But it didn't, I don't know, I feel like the whole, his character is kind of just forced into the series. But, albeit, doesn't give Reek credit. Uh, they have the conversation. And so Reek's just kind of like more so on his shit. More so on his shit more than ever. Uh, so eventually, 
after he gets the non-credit, he goes to Zeke again like, all right, this time for real, motherfucker. We, I'm keeping you in school, so you're going to have to work with me, and there is no saying no to this. Essentially, he says, you have to get me. I got to link up with Monet. I have to, I have to talk to your aunt. So the meeting finally happens, and this is when we can finally say the story is going to start. Tariq finally has his sit-down with Monet. He shows her he's been making money already selling a little bit of Adderall or whatever on campus. He's like, hey, you know, I can do it. I just don't have the product, and I, I know for a fact y'all got the connect, so what's up type thing. And Monet is weary. She doesn't really want to do it, and nor is she going to do it until uh, Tariq really swings his weight and says, well, you know, the part of me being in school, I have to keep good grades. And I can't keep good grades if I have to make money for my mom and do Zeke's work. So you got to make this easier up on me somehow. Because Zeke is going to be y'all's biggest meal ticket. But y'all won't have that meal ticket if I don't have my meal ticket. Basically, Tariq's forcing everybody to scratch his back if they want their back scratched, just like his father would do. We're finally seeing Tariq turn into Ghost Jr. He's finally forcing people into positions where they have to say yes, which was Ghost's expertise. Ghost never dealt with anybody he never had the total leverage over. There was no half-ass listening to James St. Patrick. And that's where it comes with Tariq. He's already checked Kane, which was the most physically or most commandeering, demanding, you know what I'm saying, person in the, in the situation. And now he's sort of checked Monet. Not even sort of. He's definitely checked Monet. We're starting to see Tariq really, really become ghost. We see why they named it uh Ghost. We know why the series is called Ghost now because that's all he's doing. He's using his father's influence to become his father. And that's all it is. The patricide that was committed, him killing his father was just birthing himself in a way. Now we're getting Tariq really starting to manipulate because now he has Brayden, the white kid who has all the ends, who will never truly get caught on campus selling drugs. Selling drugs, he's living with them. He, he has everybody in his back pocket. Tariq now rules, rules the world in a way just because everybody needs him. And they need him. The way it seems is that everybody needs Tariq more than he needs them. But in reality, he there's nothing he can do alone. He's only as good as his connections. But he'll never let people know that just like James St. Patrick, and that's why we're in for a hell of a ride this season. I've talked your guys head off for about a half hour now. Hope you liked the, enjoyed the review. If you had any questions, concerns, anything, you just want to chop it up, hey, if you watch Power Yourself and you want to come hop on the mic and talk about it with me next week, you feel free to contact me. Uh, like I said, this is Mr. I'm out. Thanks for listening. Peace.